This week's episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 26th of April 2022 at home in Wicklow. And it is very much a mental health episode because I go into a discussion of what we listen to in ourselves, particularly in moments of um, in moments of unwellness, in moments where you know in moments when we're feeling very embattled and i've been reflecting on the last couple of years um and it's definitely been a bit of a tricky time in my life and i've been just looking at some of the bumps in the road and observing my own behavior my own reactions to things and my own sort of emotional and psychological landscape i had a milestone in my relationship the other day and I found myself in uh, not great form and so I wanted to sort of own that and look at what's got me to this point and how best to how best to sort of view my myself and my headspace and where I'm at and so in the episode I really sort of look at listening to the the deeper voice within the deep respondent self is what I call it and to 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 try and find solid ground from which to move to a new healthier space um and that that is very much the the larger thrust of the episode just a an exploration of how we how we deal with the the not so great moments and how we deal with feelings of um perhaps defeat or failure or whatever they might be a lot, a lot of feelings that fall into the sort of the negative negative bucket and just trying to how i value just trying to keep it real and to be unafraid to look at the less attractive parts of yourself and the less attractive kind of moments in your life and to view it honestly and dispassionately and then try to proceed from there with a, a better range of options so yeah so that's uh as ever <laughs> that's what's coming up explorations of wellness explorations of the mess within and hopefully i bring uh i certainly bring some clarity to my own thinking and that may be of use to you as well okay so i hope you get something from it i will see you right there real soon cheers Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. Welcome. How are you today? What are you saying to yourself at this, at this moment in your life? What is the prevailing narrative? What's the monologue which won't leave your brain which won't leave your sense of your sense of self <laughs> what what is that voice saying what's it saying to you does it does it approve or am i imagining that this is a voice that everybody has i don't think so i think i think we've all got it haven't we haven't we all got that that inner voice it's one of many but there's usually there's usually a dominant 
a dominant voice, a dominant commentator, the witness. <laughs> and the, 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 the challenge, the wellness challenge is to become, <laughs> to become a witness to the witness, to rise, rise, <laughs> rise above it all. Let your astral self leave your body like Doctor Strange from the, uh, the Marvel comics. He was always a very interesting character to me. Something very psychedelic and esoteric. Um, now he's now he's played by um, by Benedict Cumberbatch. That name that name always makes me laugh. By Benedict Cumberbatch in the the movie version of of the character. I'm not entirely sure what I make of him. Something of the the mysticism has been has been lost. I don't know. I don't know to what uh, that can be attributed if it's just Cumberbatch's uh, I don't know I feel like I'm about to um, I feel like I'm about to besmirch his essential nature as a performer Um, there's something very solid and unmysterious about Benedict Cumberbatch he's a bit of a slab bit of a, a well-spoken slab although I will I will repeat that I did very much enjoy his performance in The Power of the Dog um, yeah anyway Doctor Strange used to be able to leave his own body because he was a mystic a magician a, mag- a magician <laughs> he didn't do tricks but he possessed magical powers and he'd float outside himself and go on these astral these astral ventures, these astral journeys, voyages, and look down upon himself. Uh, so he was able to disembody himself but retain consciousness in the disembodied form, and the disembodied form would be semi-visible. Um, well, for the sake of the comic, he was he was invisible to others, but that is what I was advocating there moments ago to rise above ourselves and witness and then go oh yeah there's that voice there's that inner voice yammering away jibber jabbering away it's it's a very it's a very convicted voice as in a voice with a lot of conviction that self-talking voice the self-observing voice, as I refer to it, the commentator. Um, and I suppose the challenge then is how much credence should you give it? Because on one, on one hand, I actually really value a deep listening but then I suppose I would argue that that deep listening goes below the voice or beyond the voice. The The voice, although it comes from within, is is sort of, out, it's, it's a funny one. It's inside us and yet it's outside of events. That's probably quite a good way to think of it. It's outside of the events of our life, responding, commentating, 
note-taking, um, offering opinion, framing, reframing. But there's a deeper, I think there's a deeper, truer voice that is in us all. And that is the voice that is connected to our our core selves and our core respondent self. That's what I believe. And that's the voice that we have to listen to and we have to sort of get through all the, the white noise of the busy brain and the turbulence of our emotional state and go very deep and go what is the base state and what's the what's the voice that's coming from here which gives us the true read of where we're at um because i think that's where we can gain a deeper understanding of ourselves that's where knowledge of what is defining us can be found and yeah I, I I do believe that now we can talk about epistemology <laughs> epistemology from from the world of philosophy is is the study of knowledge and epistemology essentially asks the questions uh, what can we know you know what is and what is the extent of what we can know and where does knowledge come from um how can we how can we frame it how can we how can we be sure of what we know now last week i referred to two philosophers i admire john locke and john stuart mill and stuart mill a utilitarian and john locke an uh, empiricist and empiricists were very much informed by the sensory encounter of the world and what could be sensed and understood via the senses in a yeah in a sense experience way um and there's a you know a scientific application to that as well and if you are listening to me talk about the deep voice the deep voice within the deep voice at the base state the defining state the defining respondent self now that could also just sound like a load of balderdash <laughs> absolute gurbly nonsense and yet i have enormous faith in that reality which scientifically i've no idea what can be proved in that area um that's when i need to get a, a neuroscientist on to talk to them Maybe that's something I should look into for a future episode and they can expose all my touchstones as nonsense, just shibboleths. Um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm thinking in this area, I'm thinking in this area today uh, because I, I, I have found myself, I've, I mean, I've been reflecting on the last couple of years, the pandemic years, the pandemic years um 
the the, the title of my my second memoir. Uh, the the pandemic years, which coincided with my wife and I and our daughter moving back from Australia to Ireland, uh, a massive relocation, quite a quite a tricky time in our lives, and we just had our little kind of two year return to Ireland anniversary last week, um, and I have to kind of hold my hand up and look at myself over this two year period and go. There's, it's definitely it's definitely been a turbulent time emotionally psychologically and i i don't know if i could say i mean i'm hesitating because you know i <laughs> i don't want to misrepresent myself never stop me before says you um but you know i'm, I'm just hovering around the the the, the dreaded h word happiness and I don't know this 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 whole idea of happiness as it's presented to us, particularly in the you know coming from the coming from the sort of the wellness sector and the wellness industry. And you know, I've touched on this often. Um, how skeptical I am about this hyper positivity um, that comes from the wellness sector and a lot of a lot of um wellness advocates in the online space and i suppose that's you know i'm one of those too let's 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 be completely transparent here uh i am one too although i argue that my version of wellness um is quite far removed from the general template of performed curated um you know kind of positivity and hyper achieving success oriented goal oriented formula of how to how to be well and how to be happy i kind of crap all over that i just go oh no will you stop just be real be normal you know just stop the act and it's okay it's okay to to not be at the pinnacle all the time um and i read just the other day a, a definition of i don't know if it was what if it was a definition of happiness or wellness or or good self-esteem maybe it was around the area of self-esteem or that you know self-regard that self-relationship to which was basically to to acknowledge how flawed you are and still approve of yourself is an indication of a healthy relationship with yourself now i'm paraphrasing but that that is basically you know that was basically the thrust and i think yeah that's that's where i come from fundamentally it's it's not like love your brokenness <laughs> love your wound uh love your pain but it's it's to be very accepting of that and to be very accepting of the you know the complexity of who you are and the areas of yourself that perturb you and disturb you is there another herb and suburb you that doesn't work does it um I'm perturbed, I'm disturbed, and I'm suburbed. A story of living in 
Temple Oak. <laughs> Temple Oak. That's a suburb, the suburb in West Dublin that I, I used to reference in my mind when I was um, and when I was trying to explain to Irish people where we lived in Melbourne and what it was like. I was like, well, it's kind of like Temple Oak. Um, it was a very innocuous, nondescript suburb, you know, perfectly acceptable, but with almost nothing to recommend it. <laughs> it's like the definition of bland. Uh, it used to, yeah, my wife used to really uh, chomp at, at, at the bit just to kind of go, oh my God, get me out of here. Um, just craving something more interesting and you know a bit more diversity and color and yes anyway um so there you go i'm suburbed but yeah the point i was trying to make was the that the relationship an indication of a healthy relationship with ourselves might be to go yeah there's there are many aspects of how i function of how i think of how i feel of how i am that I don't really care for that are problematic in in some way you know to to you know to a lesser or greater extent but I still I still have a high approval rating of myself um I mean that that a high approval rating that feels like that's a a relatively recent coinage from um the 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 review uh language of 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 the net you know a five star review a four star review um high approval rating on um on uber or on google reviews uh yeah so most of the time most of the time in spite of my own individual internal struggles um which i have spoken about before generally i think at this stage of my life i'm like no no i'm 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 okay and my <laughs> my approval rating of myself is generally high you know my, my wife would roll her eyes at that because she'd be like i think your approval rating of yourself is a little too high <laughs> but i defiantly i defiantly refuse to to not be mindful not be aware of of the positives i think there's enormous value and yeah enormous value and worth in going hold on that's working that's okay that stuff is that stuff is good and that stuff actually is the the stabilizing like you know in combined form it becomes the stabilizing element of you know of my life and of say and in a general sense you know of one's uh of one's internal world or of one's um personality the stabilizing elements are probably what allow you to function and are probably what allow you to have good relationships and be productive and leave your house in the morning and go out in the world so i'm all for acknowledging them and even celebrating them at times um and speaking of celebrations yesterday was my 19th wedding anniversary 
but I wasn't feeling particularly celebratory. I found I have found the last few years quite demanding in that area of my life, and yeah, it wasn't. It actually wasn't an easy day at all, and that's probably what has me in such contemplative form this morning, because I'm. I've kind of been asking myself the and I mean you know I'm not trying to ring any massive alarm bells <laughs> so those of you who know me um it's all right everyone stay calm I'm just leaning into my conviction that speaking about things honestly now on the podcast that's in a very controlled state but nonetheless there is it's an area worth exploring I always think and particularly Look, I mean, what, what, what's the bottom line? It's easy to talk about stuff when it's going great. It's easy to, you know, to share and be open when you're in a position of strength. Like that, that comes naturally to most of us. And because it, because it, it happens within a comfort zone. Um, and again, I mean, <laughs> I just had an injection of energy verging on anger in my voice. I, I don't feel angry about that. I mean, that's, that's just a, a very natural way to be. You know, when things are good, it's easy. It's easy to share. It's easy to be open to connecting with others. It's easy to reach out and it's easy to be visible. But when things are not that, when things are the opposite, then it's truly challenging and it can be extremely challenging depending on how extreme that might be. And I certainly know from my own experience, um, you know, particularly through my 20s um you know when i hadn't really come to terms with the nature of my own um my own kind of wrestle with depression and my own wrestle with negative events in my life and where that would send me and you know before i you know sought help um you know through therapy and got a bit of perspective on that um you know that 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 could be really extreme, and and even still, you know, occasionally a, a, a depressive episode can send me under, and you know, at its worst, it's it's just a complete. I mean, talk about talk about leaving your body. It's I don't know. It's 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 almost like your body leaves you. Yeah, that's 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 how I would describe it because. It's just this incredible feeling of of weight and inertia, like in a, in a physical sense. I mean, we often use inertia in a kind of a more metaphorical sense, um, but a real genuine resistance to movement. Um, like the body just goes, I'm a you know, I'm a dead weight, and I'm not going anywhere because the, the because fundamentally. And again, this is my own, I'm speaking purely from my own experience. The, the animating spark of life is extinguished at that moment. And it can last for a day uh, or a few hours or a couple of days. Um, thankfully, uh, <laughs> thankfully, it's, no, it's, it's generally no longer than that. Um, but that... You know, the reason I'm referring to that is because there's a, a through line to not feeling well, not feeling confident, not feeling positive and being uncomfortable with being present 
and being uncomfortable with putting oneself out there um that's all i'm saying and you know at, at its extreme end it is like a depressive state and then if you jump across to a world you know the 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 world of substance dependency or medication dependency where there's a a desire to to put it you know an even greater buffer between oneself and the world um yeah i mean it's i don't know like what, what, you know, even hearing myself say that like what does that tell us <laughs> you know what it says to me is you know my goodness humans like we're we're pretty fragile on a lot of levels and very um very gettable by the world you know as in you know we can be got to we can be hurt we can be wounded we can be we can be destabilized um and to be in the world and to be open is to be affected by what's going on in the world um i'm very accepting of that (laughs) i'm like yeah that's that's the deal you know that's that's the you know and speaking of deals that's um that was something i didn't really go into in a couple of episodes ago when i was talking about the the four agreements of and joe i hope you're listening so you can get this pronunciation the four agreements of don miguel ruiz my my spanish-speaking friend reached out to me and said listen by the way there's no u sound in miguel (laughs) which i think is how i was pronouncing his name before she's like it's just Miguel. Hola Miguel, ¿qué tal? Uh, so when I was speaking about those agreements from the book, The Four Agreements, um, which I still think is is got some very solid stuff in it, I did want to ask the question, you know, what agreements you know we, we make with ourselves? And I just said a second ago, you know, the deal is, you know, we're here, life is here, life is all around us, and engage, get amongst it. Don't be afraid to live. Don't be afraid to mix it up. Don't be afraid to uh, have a few skirmishes. Can you hear that? Can you hear that bloody rooster in the background? It's like he, he has a sixth sense. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going to go and wreck this guy's head. I'm going to park myself outside the window and squawk my head off. He must be listening because he just stopped. There you go. Did you hear it? My God. Um... Anyway, yes. Now, the deal. I was just thinking of other deals. Um, I know I'm, I'm, I'm wandering a bit, but I, I will. I'll bring this back on track, I swear. Here's another example of a deal I make. I don't go down to the sea not to swim. There you go. That's a deal. So if I'm, and I used to say this when I was in Melbourne and swimming more frequently than this. Um, I don't get out of the sea not to swim I don't make that effort to take myself to the water to not get in Um, so in my mind that's the deal unless it is unsafe to do so okay for all those worried mammies out there safety first yes Um, yeah so in any case to come back to what I was talking about the 
just the events of the last few years have been demanding. They've put pressure on uh, put pressure on the on my relationship. You know, put pressure on my wife. Put pressure on myself. It's you know, it's there's been a lot. There have been a lot of a lot of uh, challenges and a lot of difficult stuff to negotiate. And some of that stuff we've negotiated very well, and some less successfully. And after, as I said, after not feeling terribly celebratory yesterday on my nineteenth wedding anniversary, and feeling really quite flat and quite disengaged and disenchanted in many ways um i just found myself reflecting on on i'm I'm just trying to kind of get a handle on things this morning um because you know what i do recognize and what i would advocate is there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with feeling stuff there's nothing wrong with feeling you know what we would typically you know describe as negative emotions so you know feeling despondent or you know feeling uh cynical or feeling you know having feelings of you know of failure or feelings of of loss or feelings of rejection or feelings of judgment or resentment i mean none of those you know (laughs) they're not what we think of when we think of can you name you know, four or five or six positive emotions, Dara, or, you know, positive sensations in your brain. They're not. They typically be cast into a negative space. But rather than thinking in positives and negatives, if, you know, we go with the more, a more kind of Zen Buddhist way of thinking, you just go, look, it's not negative or positive. It just is. And I'm unafraid of those feelings. They don't, they're not pleasant. They're not filling me with joy. My my inner commentator isn't going, well, this is nice. This is a nice change from the norm. You know, the commentator, the inner commentator recognizes, oh, this is, this is pretty shitty, actually. So I'm not afraid to kind of experience them, but I will say I don't, I wouldn't, I don't advocate wallowing, you know, to wallow and you know flounder about and be submerged in those feelings doesn't feel particularly healthy and i think as soon as i sense there's a space in my brain or a space in my respondent self to go okay hold on a second what's what's the way forward like what's the way what's the way out of this what's the optimum response to this because it's easy to get stuck and I think that's I think that's quite a common I, I, I would argue that that's a common enough experience or a common enough sensation or a common enough belief that you know that that sense of stuckness of being unable to transcend of being unable to shift and I'm just going to tell you right now in the world of martial arts if you can't shift off your line of defense you're going to get hit so it's very funny in 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 the style of karate that i do shotokan the the typical um the typical dynamic of attack and defense is linear it's straight ahead and straight back that's what we are when we teach it and when we learn it that's how it's taught for a very long time 
and how we train our basic techniques is linear up and down a hall up and down a training space and then later as you start to do sort of free fighting where there's freedom to move and range and roam um (laughs) you know the young practitioner can be perplexed uh, by their their inability to have more variety of movement in their fighting style but they've been sort of indoctrinated into this you know going forward only going forward and only moving backwards but later as you know and i know now as a as an instructor you're really trying to encourage people to move off that center line move off that line of defense and attack and that's when you can change the dynamic and so don't stay stuck on that single um that single axis that single line of attack and defense move around change the dynamic and what that makes me think of to bring it back to what we're talking about you know this idea of being stuck movement is so important because it's so easy it's so easy to get stuck in our heads it's so so easy to get kind of locked in sort of the paralysis of analysis now i know i haven't coined that i've, I've, I've you know I've come across that phrase before or analysis paralysis where you just get stu- stuck in the kind of the chin stroking you know hmm hmm Hmm, hmm, interesting, interesting. And that just becomes very ponderous and dry and cerebral. And that's its own, you know, like that 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 is a stuckness of its own. So and this is where we come back to the the idea that you see a lot of wellness advocates talk about, and I'm not saying and this is I'm not being cynical now, you know, you know, but health practitioners and wellness advocates it's they talk about body work and you know basically the, the i think the what has become now become a very clearly advocated tenet of wellness practice is you know talking and thinking can only do so much now as you know i wouldn't have a podcast if i wasn't a great advocate of talking <laughs> talking and thinking on the spot um but movement, movement is of such enormous benefit to to breaking that cycle of the mental hold and the mental grip, the 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 cerebral analytical grip on our reality. Get that body moving, change your position, and it can be as as obvious as you know lying down on the floor, or um, as <laughs> as i as i watched in a i I was listening to a podcast about dead poets society um the the 1989 peter weir film where robin williams is the inspirational teacher who uh kind of radicalizes um in the non the non-fundamentalist sense uh who radicalizes and excites the imaginations and energies of his young english students in a very repressed stuffy uh prep school in in new england and um i remember loving it as when when i first saw it i mean i guess yeah i would have been 15 or 16 when i saw it i remember going to see it with a couple of pals um i think in a cinema in arklow and oh i 
God, I, I found it very, very effective. It appealed to my innate uh, idealism. Um, now, I mean, I, I, it's actually, it's aged well in, in ways I didn't expect and hasn't aged as well in the areas I might have expected. Robin Williams, when he's being serious, is good, like serious and sincere. His, you know, the, the brief indulgence of his comedic stuff is far less interesting. Um, the young cast perform with such enthusiasm um, that it really, it carries, it carries the movie along. But the, uh, the cinematography is actually beautiful and the, the, the score is very effective as well. Um, but in any case, referring to changes of perspective and movement and getting the body moving, uh, Robin Williams in the movie famously gets all of the, the students to in, you know, each stand up on his desk at the head of the classroom just so they can change their perspective and view the world a different way. We are such fundamentally, you know, simple animals on that level that it does it does have an effect using the body in a different way moving the body sitting down lying down standing up walking around i've introduced a nice little practice into my my morning routine um did i mention this last week uh, a friend reminded me of uh, a chi practice that i first saw in acting school many years ago um which is basically a standing pose with the arms out in front holding an invisible circle. Uh, it can be quite tiring on the arms. But what my friend sent me, I, I kind of dug in a little bit and there's a, a lovely aspect to it, a, pre- a preparatory aspect where you walk in a circle for however long you see fit. But the idea is you walk in a circle to put the internal organs in motion, to put the internal organs in motion with the celestial bodies above. And then you come to a place of stillness and hold the form for as long as you can um, with a nice open back and let your, you know, basically an, an empty chest and a full belly. And you breathe and yeah i mean just thinking about it now calms me down (laughs) and i've also speaking of other calming exercises i've also taken to sitting at my wife's piano uh that's not a euphemism sitting at my wife's piano to uh just have a noodle on the uh on the piano i don't play music okay i'm not and this is this there's no I'm not there's no false humility here. I don't play music. I don't know how to play the piano. And I'm not sitting down trying to read uh music and play something. So I'm sitting down and I'm just trying to make nice sounds. And basically what I do is I I I'm kind of falling into this sort of habit of just playing chords. So I'll press, you know, two or three keys at a time. And then I might do a sequence and move up or down the keyboard and play with varying intensity um, in terms of how much weight I'm applying to the keys and just fall into a sort of a a rhythm that probably isn't 
particularly melodic. Um, I mean, almost not melodic at all, but the sounds are nice. And in my opinion, they go well together and they hang together. But it is in no way a piece of music. It is in no way a song or a melody. Okay, so I'm just, you know, that's my, you know, I'm I'm just arguing very strongly here for my disclaimer. I make, um, there's no claim to budding musicianship here. What I'm saying is it's just nice to sit at the piano for 20 to 30 minutes and do that. I find it incredibly calming. And I mean, I keep using that word calming and you go, wow, (laughs) how calm you need to be well this is this is part of my my kind of confessional um episode today because part of what i was going to say and i mean i've I've referred to this before but there are times there have been times um over the last couple of years where i've been surprised by the the level of anger that can be present in me I mean, already that's very kind of, I'm already using distancing language. There is anger present. (laughs) Um, You know, explosive um, rage at times. Just a release of intense frustration and anger, um, which, you know, mostly... I don't know. No, I mean, I was going to say mostly I'm trying to find positive outlets for that. I mean, that's one of the reasons I do as much exercise as I do. Um, and that's that's the body work, isn't it? To try and just keep myself on an on an even keel. So, I mean, again, I don't want to misrepresent myself. I'm not lurching through the day, you know, with barely contained fury. Um, but anger has come up enough that I'd have to raise a flag and go, hold on a second. This this is not this is not really in balance. And then that pushes me and I go, okay, so what's the deeper like what's the deeper unease beneath all of this? What does my and I'm I'm and I don't know if I've coined the phrase, but I, I do like this idea, the respondent self the deep respondent self what does the deep respondent self have to say about that what's at the heart of this what's at the root of it where is it coming from and is it an expression of anger or as often is the case with anger is it an expression of defensiveness is it an expression of hurt and ex- you know is it the is it a reaction to uh, a deep wound? Um, <laughs> and you know, relax. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and self therapy myself. Um, you know, any any more than that. So I'm kind of. I'm, I'm going to remain speculative uh, for the for the recording of this episode, and I can inquire further on my own time. You'll be greatly relieved. But as you, but joking aside, I mean, as a as a tool of self-therapy, I do advocate that deep listening. Now, here's the thing. Do you want to listen to yourself? Do you want to hear from yourself? Because many of us are afraid 
to look. Many of us are afraid to listen. Many of us find ways, consciously or otherwise, to do the opposite of that, to take us further and further from the place that is, you know, that is always speaking to us. See, this is the thing. We can't, there is no escape. There's no escape from, there's, and there's no escape and there's no, there's no hiding from the, the deeper stuff within. So it doesn't matter what you do and it doesn't matter what story you tell yourself. It's there and it continues to be there and it continues to be there in ways that are potentially very unhealthy until you sit down with it, until you face it, until you allow yourself to be present with it and then see what happens. And the, you know, the, the, more, the more you're afraid of it or the more you don't want to listen or the more you don't want to look, the more powerful it is and the more defining it is and in my opinion it's an impediment it's something that holds us back it's something that slows us down it's something that doesn't allow us to express ourselves fully in which case we're living a a compromised existence you know, in which case we're not, we're not out in the world giving ourselves the best chance to to thrive. Um, and again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to specify, you know, because I'm not going to specify what that thriving might look like because that's different for every individual. Like that depends on what you value. That depends on what you want. That depends on what's important to you. Um, but yeah i i think there there are times i mean this isn't about you know a constant checking in with the deep stuff because that might be unrealistic it might be exhausting it simply might be too much it might be something you don't feel capable of doing outside a therapeutic space um but i i still think it's something worth engaging with um and trying to identify and trying to focus in on in a calm and non-judgmental way and go okay that's that's just there that's and yeah and this brings us back to the idea of you know which i've spoken about before the idea of looking at oneself as an object um rather than being caught up in the the subjective um reality all the time because the subjective can bring a lot of emotion and the subjective can bring a strong sense of you know right and wrong good and bad whereas objective the objective view is much more detached and can bring a sort of a a healthy neutrality um which is you know that is not to dismiss that part of looking at that might be to admit oh that is actually something that really hurts or that is something that makes me really sad um but 
if you're viewing it from within the hurt or within the sadness or within the anger, your perspective is skewed by the the strength of those emotions, by the strength of those feelings. So, you know, and, and like this is the thing when we're when we're trying to get a perspective on ourselves or a, a perspective on our lives and our viewpoint is from, uh, you know, a highly specific uh, environment and so let's let's argue that speaking you know emotionally or psychologically we can put that that you know those ideas into uh, environmental terms so if i'm in a heightened state of psychological distress you know like anxiety or you know depression depression is you know is a, is psychological and emotional distress or psychological and emotional dysregulation um how we judge ourselves or how we assess the perspective then is is not it's not um it's not neutral it's incredibly stacked in a particular area and it discolors things or colors things in a very particular light which will not necessarily be truthful um and so for me the quest then is what feels true and accurate to me and from there if i if if i if i if i if i'm satisfied that i establish that truth or that accuracy in terms of what i'm trying to understand about myself or what i'm trying to understand about what's going on in my life at the moment I find that then becomes a very reliable, dependable starting point for um, for further inquiry, uh, for further exploration, for making a shift in a different direction, for trying to assess what my next options can look like because i trust that i've established something concrete um and then i can kind of step off from there and again when you're trying to step off from the line of an attack you want to be stepping off something solid if you know what i mean yeah if i'm trying to push myself off the ground uh, in a fight situation and move off the line of attack when I place my weight into that leg, onto that foot, and I, I want to feel that I'm pushing into something solid from which I can push my own weight away from the danger, away from the attack. So I'm applying that idea metaphorically then. If I can get a really good grasp of what's going on with myself, emotionally, psychologically, um, then it's a great starting point to launch my uh, my next move from which I can achieve a, a, ultimately a position of safety. Um, and if you want to put it in terms of conflict, it might be a place from which I achieve victory, not over my opponent, but over my own 
um, previous inability to protect myself. Uh, so a victory over over a loss of control. So if I bring it back to talking about anger, what I would like at the moment in my life is to kind of go, okay, I need to look at this and I need to find some solid ground from which I can get a victory over an anger that is unhelpful and disruptive. And it's very disruptive to myself. Um, and certainly if, you know, if my wife or our daughter bear witness to it, um, which they don't have to most of the time, thankfully, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's not good. That's not good stuff. Um, and it's not to just completely, it's not to legislate anger out of my emotional scale because anger is valuable in terms of, you know, it's telling me something like, okay, this is real. So now I need to dig deeper and go, okay, what, where is this coming from? And that brings me back to, you know, the broader theme today is like, you know, the listening, the deep listening. Um, and it also, it also for me raises the, the you know, the, the question of, you know, if I'm interpreting to stay in the specific at the moment, like if I'm interpreting feelings of flatness or if I'm interpreting anger as being indicative of, of some form of dysfunction or some form of defeat or some form of collapse, definitely an indication of frustration. Um, how, how do you live with that? How do I live with that in this moment without catastrophizing it? Um, and then this is, you know, this is where this uh, this phrase comes to mind that I've been encountering a lot in different conversations and things I've been reading. Um, Esther Perel, the uh, the relationship expert, um, who's quite a fascinating uh, person. You, you should check her out if you haven't. That's Esther. There's a th in that Perel, P-E-R-E-L. You'll find her on social media, and there's books, and she has a podcast. Um, but she was talking about, you know, radical acceptance. Um, you've heard me speak about this before a little. Radical acceptance is very much, I think, applicable in this area of being accepting of the, the, and this is my phrase, but being accepting of the broken world. And I'm not talking about the larger brokenness of the world. We're talking about, you know, international conflicts and the wealth gap and, you know, just a, so many areas of, you know, concern and areas of, you know, public failing. I mean, that is that is the broken world. And we do have to have a bit of a radical acceptance. But it's funny, it's probably a lot easier to accept that than a broken world that feels like this is your own world, your own personal world, your own relationships, your own uh, work, your own kind of dynamics with yourselves and your intimates. Um, and that, that, that that's a much smaller world, generally speaking. Um, and when that feels broken, that's far more confronting, I would argue, um, because we can sort of intellectualize and distance ourselves from the the larger problems of the world and that's that's what most of us do i mean you know some of us do a little some of us do a lot some of us don't do anything at all and i'm not judging anyone live your life you know because you have to you have to keep yourself well 
and stay right in yourself to do your best and be of use uh, to others um, which again is that's an area of, of wellness you know your utility to others um, <laughs> if that's you know you can because you, you can you can derive value from that um, but I think if you're only if you're placing your your happiness or your wellness only on being of use to others and not being of use to yourself that is that's not good that's that 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 doesn't work that's a bit of a faulty logic there um i'm so broken i'll fix others and then i'll feel better wrong have a look at yourself first uh, and then you might not feel the need to fix anyone at all (laughs) i'm fine see you later door closes bang (laughs) just make myself a nice cup of tea la 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 um but yeah the I think that is challenging because there are definitely times and I'm probably experiencing a bit of this myself in my life at the moment where, you know, how do you live with a sense of defeat and, you know, not feel like, oh, well, that's it then. <laughs> Just, you know, the give up gesture that, ah, oh, well, feck it. What's the point? Um, but to kind of go, no, it's OK. That's just this moment. That's just this moment in my life and I think the the a tendency can be to to get stuck in the bad moment and allow it to invalidate everything else that is positive and to allow it to invalidate things that are working and things that have worked and work that has been done and it's that's what I'm talking about when the perspective when the perspective is skewed but your brain is going, no, no, this is the right perspective. This is the truth. This is the true reality. And everything is, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, it's not necessarily the truth at all. It's a truth. It's a version of what you can see at the moment. And it's a version of what your your brain and your sort of emotional self chooses to focus on in the moment. But. I think it is preferable to to gravitate to that more neutral, non-judgmental space if you can to go, okay, hold on a second. What's going on here really? What's this really about? And what are your resources? What are your responses? What can you actually do here to shift the lens a little bit and to move to... Uh, a position that's going to give you a better chance to to rally and recover and restore yourself and from there you can try and engage again um yeah so that um that idea again of listening the deep respondent self um what i'm going to do is i'm actually going to i'm going to read I'm going to read something I, I wrote on the on the blog uh, about five years ago um, because I dedicated I dedicated a a piece to this idea of listening and I'm just going to read you kind of the the latter part of the the article because um, I was kind of putting it into a larger context of who we listen to who we choose to listen to whose uh, whose comments and whose opinions we value and I was kind of trying to go well 
how much do we actually let into our heads over a lifetime and i kind of and yeah you know, what the what the relationship is then to to truth and what we believe to be the true reality we find ourselves in so i'm just going to read you here it's probably about four, uh, four or five paragraphs that conclude the post and i'll i'll include it in i'll, I'll throw in a link where with the in the description of this episode so you can go and read it if you want to so this post was called listen and i concluded it with these uh these paragraphs i said but at what point is what we hear no longer revelatory or is that an unduly negative perspective that saying nothing new under the sun does it reflect an inclination towards cynicism and ennui or is it merely that our brains are locked in a holding pattern determined by the limitations of our imaginations as if we have a finite number of formulae of templates that help us frame the world and once we've allocated them we can't take on board anything else i mention this in the context of listening because if as many current commentators would have us believe we are more and more subject to the culture of the echo chamber it means we are only listening to one thing and if we are only listening to one thing it means we are listening to nothing else we become victims of like-mindedness to wit the unbelieving bewilderment of us democrats as they as they digested the ascent to the oval office of someone they had categorically dismissed as a buffoon where were the voices of dissent who was saying that trump should be taken seriously the point being it behoves us to listen for something that is more than a sound bite or a credo we have already told ourselves if we are only capable of recognizing our own rhetoric our own framework then we are in danger of at best complacency and at worst dishonesty and this is far from being a battle waged only on the outside what about our own voice when do we listen to ourselves to say our brains are busy is something of an understatement the figure of 70000 thoughts a day in a typical human brain seems to be an anecdotally accepted minimum that's a lot of sifting to get to something resembling gold like the macguffins famously used by alfred hitchcock so many of our thoughts coming from various inner voices are misdirectors signposts pointing the wrong way or else distractors to suspend our progress i suggest it takes a very special quality of listening to isolate the voice worth hearing inside us perhaps we need some of that dream seeing quality referred to at the top of the post our daily thoughts merge with our weekly thoughts which become part of our monthly thoughts all of which are enmeshed in our yearly thoughts until we have to admit 
that are thoughts, perceptions, insights, voices, notions, memories, fancies and daydreams comprise a vast miasma of conscious and subconscious processes that are a testament to a life lived so far. What truth is it possible to extract from that? Well, maybe it's just a numbers game. The truth is the thoughts or insights or demons that have been given most airtime. It is up to each of us to work out why we've admitted some truths more often than others. So it's not truth then, it's just traffic. But it's our city, our roads. And we can decide which roads we close and which ones stay open. Yeah, okay. So that was from 2017, I guess. Let me see. Yeah, March 2017. And it's, well, I like it. I put a, <laughs> there's a cute photo of my daughter, who I guess was only three and a half then, with a big pair of headphones on. Uh, she said, dote. That's there on that post as well. So maybe that'll persuade you to go and have a look at it. As I said, I'll put the link with the description. So, yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, uh, this is not the first time I've reflected on the the benefits of listening and, and sifting through what's real and what's more dependable or credible or reliable uh, than, 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 than other things. Um, yeah, there you go. So, look, that's... Um, that's where I'll leave for today, I think. A slightly slightly shorter episode for a change. Thank God, says you. Um, what else was I going to talk about today? I know there were a couple of other things. Um, yeah, I liked the idea of talking about holding the space in that same context of just being present. Being present. I mean, you know, sometimes the language we use around wellness can put us off. I find that. Oh, Jesus. But I mean, I'd probably, instead of holding the space, I'd say, yeah, be present. Just be be grounded. Be here. Be okay with yourself. Be unafraid to be seen. Um, but holding the space, that's a very buzzy phrase that's been used at the moment as well, along with radical acceptance. Um, yeah. Do you, know, uh, <laughs> do you know what I can't hold anymore? my steaming knob that's not a that's also not a euphemism uh on my coffee machine the steaming knob the knob for the steamer has uh has broken and there you go now i remember <laughs> so i have to use a pliers to turn the the mechanism to turn the steam on and off when i'm trying to make some nice froth for my for my latte my twice a day latte and you know when you get the froth wrong you have a bad latte when you get it right and the strength and amount of your coffee is right you get beautiful coffee and last week i couldn't i just lost control of the 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 pliers i was using to hold the the mechanism the the sort of the bolt that turns that 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 bolt used to be turned by this little spherical knob um, and the steam actually wore away the the the, the bottom of the knob. Um, geez, I'm getting, I'm in very dodgy territory here. 
<laughs> now boys don't wear away the bottom of the knob or it'll fall off when you're making those coffees um yeah and i i lost control of it and my little jug of milk was just having uh, <laughs> i couldn't turn the steam off so my little jug of milk overflowed um before i had time before i was able to get a, a grip on this little pliers i was using to to turn it off and milk went everywhere and in my my fragile state i couldn't handle it and pliers were thrown and milk was thrown and the top of a big stove was hit <laughs> um it wasn't it wasn't a good moment it wasn't a good moment um but that is one of my pet hates that's a trigger for me things that don't work there's nothing that will get me angry as quick if i'm not in kind of solid enough form there are a few things that will get me angry as quick as something that doesn't work properly um it just yeah it tips me off it's um it's so juvenile really uh that was my relationship with lego when i was a kid <laughs> i used to just smash it because it wasn't doing what i wanted it to do Now that really wasn't the lego's fault you know that i know that but that is where i would uh draw the line back to that that impulse and it's still in me this bloody coffee machine anyway there you go so i have to replace my steaming knob and i don't know how i'm going to do that so if you have any suggestions feel free to feel free to reach out um and i'll tell you something else now I mean, i'm kind of doing this in reverse i usually start with the uh, the stupid anecdotes but i'm ending with them today um yeah i was if you've heard me talk about about ruby yeah ruby the the marketing assistant for the podcast um if this is your first time to listen i'm going to quickly uh reveal ruby's a cat so the head of marketing is our other cat marlon and for a while there uh, when i was first doing the podcast you know i was quite i was quite amused by that idea of um assigning business roles to the animals who live here with me in hashtag blessed and i'm not referring to my wife and my daughter when i talk about the animals that i live with um but the two cats form the marketing department and um marlon the older cat she's getting old just like the idea of naming the cats as you know having business roles uh marlon is going to be 20 um next month very impressive fair play to her um but yeah the the i think that 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 idea of calling them marketing assistants um and head of marketing and the the chickens here that's the finance department because of eggs and eggs can be a metaphor for for money and wealth um, and accumulation uh but that idea of calling them those things probably got a bit old i, I certainly got over because i stopped mentioning i stopped referring to them as, as as such and you know what else gets old kitty litter there you go that's what i came into today in the uh the little recording studio here at hashtag blessed an upturned kitty litter tray because ruby who is still qualifies as a kitten she's less than a year old she's somewhat overzealous in her um her post kitty litter routine so cats like to give it an old scratch and you know make sure they've covered up their business 
but Ruby, you know, must have perched on the edge of the kitty litter and toppled it. So basically, it was a half a used kitty litter tray scattered across the uh, the beautiful rug that's here, um, the rug that sits on a carpet that I think contributes to what I think is a rather nice acoustic in this room. Um, so that's what I came into. I was like, bloody hell, Ruby. Oh, man. Katie litter. Yeah. Hopefully she'll uh, she'll get better. Just been a little bit tidier. Or else she's, she's just going to have to get drop kicked out the door every time she wants to use the loo. That won't work either, though. You know that, and I know that. Okay. And I know that this is the end of the podcast for now for this week I'll be back next week and I'll be in I anticipate that I'll be in somewhat jollier form so uh, let's both look forward to that and I say both because I mean me the one of me and the one of you the one listener out there the uh, the listening numbers were poor for the last um, <laughs> last week's episode hasn't gone down well at all I'm like what the hell is wrong with you people that was a great episode tolerance what do you tolerate in yourself what i'm no longer going to tolerate is my anger how about that for now anyway don't get me wrong anger's okay i don't have any issue with anger generally um it's how it's expressed and what it's what what you know what's it what's it responding to okay i'm not going to dig myself a hole and go backwards let's go forwards take care thanks for listening Please do reach out on social media. I really appreciate it when anyone puts out something there on social media to go, do you know what? I like that podcast. Dara has a good podcast. Listen to the clear out. It's good. Um, So you can do that if you like. Uh, The podcast does go out on YouTube at the clear out podcast. Uh, The clear out podcast is also on Facebook and Instagram. If they are platforms you use. And if you like Twitter, the clear out two that's the clear out with the number two um <laughs> you can find me there and if you ever want to email me it's the clear out live at gmail.com um if you want to send me a response if you want to send a suggestion for something you'd like to discuss if you even thought there was a, a, a guest you'd like me to try and pursue to see if they'd come on the podcast for an interview um anything at all you know don't be shy don't be shy it's okay i don't bite okay that's it and you can also support the podcast using the supporter link which you'll find in the description or if you want to support the podcast you can do so on patreon so that's patreon.com forward slash the clear out if you want to throw a small regular financial contribution to the podcast to help me keep my faith in it as something that has potential to do well in a and be self-sustaining um, that would be great because it takes a bit of effort and a bit of work uh, to shoehorn it into my life uh, and I like doing it and I hope to continue to do it so um, there you go this has been the clear out wellness with attitude decluttering clarifying connecting I hope I connected with you thanks for listening mind yourselves I'll talk to you real soon all the best see you bye